0: So we're on the final message of the gospel line. So open up your binder and let's turn to message five from the, the uh, second morning line. It, can anyone remember the first four? What was the first one? The spirit in the body. What's the second one? Prayer. Prayer. What's the third one? Prayer. The fourth one. Companions and homes. And then this fifth one, let's all read the title. A proper daily living and a universal love. A proper daily living. And you may not expect to find this on the gospel line. But the burden this morning is that we would really see something related to the relationship between the gospel and our daily living. Uh, What is a proper daily living? One of the verses here in the outline, Philippians 1.27 says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's all say that. Conduct yourselves manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. I looked up this word worthy. A lot of times you think you know what a word means. And then you look it up and you realize you didn't really know. And one definition of worthy is deserving respect or deserving attention. So, we must have a conduct that causes respect or attention to be rendered to the gospel. There's something about our conduct, our, the way that we conduct ourselves that causes people to respect the gospel. And that is a proper daily living. What kind of a living is that? What kind? What does that look like? Proper daily living. The word proper. Does that mean no long hair? That's not what what it means. What we're going to see in this outline is that the proper daily living is really a living that's according to the divine nature. And uh, we can see this from these verses all the way from Acts all the way to 2 Peter. So how about all the brothers read A? 1A. The real witnessing. Witnesses bear a living testimony of the resurrected and ascended Christ in life. Differing from preachers who merely preach doctrines and letters. Okay, if I say during this message, resurrected and ascended Christ, I want you to say, in life. All right, let's practice. Resurrected and ascended Christ in life. life. That's right. Resurrected and ascended Christ in in life. life. To be a witness. Acts 1-8 says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is the Lord speaking. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So the disciples are charged to be the Lord's witnesses and they're sent out. Uh, what were they witness to? What had they witnessed? Just call it out. Right. They saw the Lord's life on earth. They saw his death, his crucifixion. They didn't see his resurrection, but they were witnesses to his coming and resurrection. They were his witnesses. But as they're being sent to the uttermost parts of the earth, do you think that they're only relating as witnesses those things that they saw? This is what I'm talking about, you know, like on the road to Emmaus. Do you alone not know what has happened lately? And so they had witnessed something. But eventually, as you're traveling to the uttermost parts of the earth, it takes a while to get there. It might take years to get to the uttermost part of the earth. And are you saying a couple years ago we saw something? No, that's not the kind of witnessing that the Lord was talking about. He needs witnesses of the resurrected and ascended Christ in life. And we know this from how Paul was called in Acts 26. You know, there's no record that Saul of Tarsus or Paul ever saw the Lord in the flesh. Maybe he did, but there's no record of it. But in Acts 26, the Lord spoke to him and said, rise and stand on your feet, for I've appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a minister and a witness. What kind of witness? Both of the things in which you have seen me and of the things in which I will appear to you. So our witnessing is not just of things that have happened, historical things, but we're witnessing concerning the living Christ who is constantly appearing to us. And that's what it means to be a living witness and bear a living testimony. So for our gospel preaching, we don't, we need not only the words spoken out of our mouth, but a life that shines before men. These verses in Matthew, uh, they talk about how we are light. You are the light of the world. And men don't light a lamp and place it under a bushel, but on a lampstand. In the same way, let your light shine before men. Well, I'm trying to make an impression here. Don't you want to be a living witness? I sure don't want to be a doctrinal Render some doctrinal account to someone about the Lord. Uh, We knew someone who 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 knew Jesus a long time ago. That's not the kind of witnesses that we want to be. We want to be living witnesses of the resurrected and ascended Christ in life. And that means that we need to be those who are experiencing Christ in life. So, B says, How about sisters read B? We must. Amen. Okay, brothers, one. Our living and our life is the gospel. The gospel we preach should be our daily life. Our preaching should not be a performance, but what we live by. Amen. Sisters. Amen. Brothers. Our preaching must be with the word, but our word must be matched by our daily life. So this is kind of obvious that the message that we give needs to be the life that we're living. There to be something about us that causes people to render respect to the message we give. We should embody it so that the message is that Christ in his resurrection and ascension has now become our life then we should bear that living testimony. I am a person who experiences Christ as my life. It's not just a historical event. Christ has put on human nature and become a man like me. That happened a long time ago. He died upon the cross that I from Adam might be free. That happened a long time ago. He has risen. and That happened a long time ago. And as spirit, he has come to live in me. That may have happened a little while ago. That he may be my life. When did that happen? That happens every day. And that's the testimony that really is the gospel preaching. And that's our real witnessing. Uh, We just have to embody that. And um, it's just like when you see, I, I recently joined this gym. You cannot tell by looking at me. But I recently joined this gym. And one of the things, when you walk by the place, there are these men there that just... They just embody the place, and you just look at them, and you just want that so much. And, uh, they ju- and they're not, you know, they're not doing anything. They're just h- hanging out, but they just embody fitness and health so much, and, you know, and I just, I've never cared about that stuff, but I, now I'm like, what do you eat? Uh, you know, so just, I just want to know because I just want to get closer to that eventually, and they have events that they do, and they send people from the gym there to compete with other gyms. And so they're like ambassadors of the gym. And uh, I've never been invited to go on those trips. <laughs> because I don't yet embody that gospel, you know, that they're announcing, which is a physical gospel. The good news, I guess. But what about our gospel? We have to have a life that matches our preaching. And that is not some kind of, you might think like, well, tell me how to live. Uh, I'd like to match that. But it's not that there are strict or legal standards of, of conduct. Um, this life is important. How about we always see proper daily living, a proper... are watching us, aren't they? And um, one story that really touched me is one um, one of the elders in the church where I am, he said, he told us that the gospel was preached to him maybe 15 times before he received the Lord. But he finally opened on a campus to one brother. Someone had spoken to him and the circumstances were this brother was walking ahead of him the class and didn't know that the other unsaved guy, our future elder, was behind him. And so the brother was walking and towards them came, it was summer, and towards them came a girl dressed for summer, I guess. And so, you know, not like we would dress for summer. And this brother just turned his head away while he walked till she was gone and then turned his head back. And that, that was observed by this other man behind him. And immediately, there was an opening. That was such a testimony. to, And you just don't know who's walking behind us or who's with us. So that just brings the point out. We need to have a high daily life. And D says, we must, have, we must have the highest daily life to match our preaching. But this doesn't mean that we should have strict legal standards. Um, I don't know what it means to, to have a high daily life. Uh, it's, it really hasn't been written down. There's no book. I mean, you might say, the Bible is our book. That's not really right. The Bible is not a book of, of, of rules. It is a book that embodies God and conveys God to us as life, but it's not a book of standards in that sense. And um, I invited a friend from work to one of our meetings. A conference meeting once and he was this tough guy. He flew Apache helicopters in Desert Store 1 and was this rough guy. And, and he saw the saints and he saw the meeting and he leaned over and he's like, where's the book of rules? No, no, he said, what? he said, where's the book? And I was like, what book? And he said, the book of rules. And I said, we don't have that book. And he goes, everyone's got the book. This is all during the meeting. And I said, they haven't shown that book to me yet. You know, I I didn't know what. I was just kind of messing with him. But he couldn't figure out. He sees this expression and he can't figure out, like, where is this coming from? Like, where's, because there's an expression there. And it wasn't the expression of any legal standard. It was just the divine life being manifested in many saints. Very mysterious to an unbeliever. So they look for a book. But there is no book. And you can't say, the Bible is our book. Not like that. The Bible is the book that we eat so that that expression can come out. So, yeah, we do have a book, but not like that. And um, we don't need outward regulations. We don't need to impose regulations on others. And um, something you do. (laughs) When I was in high school, I had a big turn to the Lord. And to me, to follow Jesus meant to put on a white shirt and a tie. I don't know why. I just saw on some videos, some full-timers, in, you know, in Anaheim way back then. And I was like, I guess that's how you follow the Lord. And I just unbelievably began to wear occasionally to my high school a shirt and tie. And uh, like a long-sleeved Mormon. And I would just go there and to me that was like, that was what it meant to follow the Lord. And some other brothers were, you know, we all kind of had a turn together. And I was like, where's your white shirt, you know? How's your conscience? <laughs> but it was such an artificial, it was just a concept. You know, you see something, you want to imitate it, and, any, and the worst thing is then you impose it on others as a kind of standard. How can we preach the gospel without a tie? And um, Don't be like that. I even went door knocking as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old in that outfit, and um, that was what I thought it meant to follow the Lord. Anyway, it's good to lose your face. God's chosen fool to be. But our our life in E is not according to a legal standard. It's not according to our regulations. But we have a life that's according to the divine nature, the inward divine nature. And that life, the point I want to make today is that that is a fruitful life. And I want to read these verses from 2 Peter because you probably don't have them printed. 2 Peter 1, and I'll read 3 through 8, says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us All things which relate to life and godliness. Divine power. Through the full knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and virtue. Through which he has granted to us precious and exceedingly great promises. That through these you might become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption which is in the world by lust. Yeah, so what does this have to do with the gospel? And for this very reason also adding all diligence, supply bountifully in your faith, virtue and in virtue, knowledge and in knowledge, self-control and in self-control, endurance and in endurance, godliness and in godliness. Brother, we love see all these virtues, all these expressions. And then the last verse says, for these things existing in you and abounding constitute you neither idle nor unfruitful. Neither idle nor unfruitful, which is a way of a double negative, so we can say these things existing in you constitute you fruitful. So everything begins with this participation in the divine nature. We are partakers of a divine nature. We are enjoying the resurrected and ascended Christ in life. Oh we're enjoying the resurrected and ascended Christ, in life. right? Eikenberry, we're enjoying the resurrected and ascended Christ. I'm just, I can't hear Eikenberry. Got to keep him awake. It's hot over there. We enjoy Christ in life. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along my narrow way. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And our participation in the divine nature produces a kind of manifestation of all these virtues and a kind of inward regulation that is fruitful. And I I just want to stress this this morning because you might think, um, you might be on kind of one of two extremes. One extreme is that in your situation, a lot of things have been arranged to really help you on the gospel you have a lot of assets, right? Maybe, well, just raise your hand if you live in a church life that has like a campus team or a campus work. Yeah, it's quite a few. And then uh, maybe you have a, a large church and maybe there's some full-timers who are caring for the college students and you have a campus club established and you have all these things set up. And you might think that those things are going to constitute you fruitful somehow. And I'm not saying they're not important because we got it. I mean, if we can get them, we need to get them. But the burden this morning is to realize that even if you have all those things, eventually the people that you meet are going to be with you, unfortunately or fortunately. You know, Eventually, it's just you and them. You can't say, you know, people don't join a club. They don't join... Because your brochure is awesome. They don't join for all these reasons. Eventually, the people that come into contact with us, they are just gonna be it's just you and them. And the question is do you bear the living testimony of the resurrected and ascended Christ in life? Is there some shining coming out of you? Because if there isn't, you really aren't gonna be that fruitful. No matter it doesn't matter how many assets you have in your environment that we tend to rely on and and conversely the other extreme is you might be in a situation where you almost have nothing maybe you're all alone or just about and you're just like how can we make this work oh that we had a team oh that we had better full-timers or even one you know we'll take anything we'll take the the castaways from other teams we'll take we'll just just give us anything lord because we can never preach the gospel until until and you're just waiting and you're a freshman, you're a sophomore, and you're waiting for something to happen. But the burden this morning is those things don't constitute you fruitful. It's really the living testimony that changes people. When they come into contact with us and we are, we are experiencing Christ, according to this, they, they touch something unforgettable. They touch something unforgettable. And my, um, so, okay, so here's my testimony for whatever it's worth, um, when I went to school at Georgia Tech a um, long time ago, we didn't have full-timers. We didn't have a campus team. We just didn't have anything. And I was the only student on campus for one year, which was terrible. And I remember walking around that campus, just thinking, like, "What can I do? I'm totally powerless." You know, I had crazy thoughts like maybe I should join a fraternity and start a Bible study. And the, no, no, you know, just maybe I could just, you know, you just feel so weak, right? So like I can't do anything. We didn't have any of those things. But you know what we did have? We had a college training. I went to the college training. I remember it clearly 23 years ago, my first college training. And there I was sitting there, 19 years old. Those brothers, they looked the same to me. They were, they were here. They were saying, we need age turners. <laughs> and, uh, their fellowship to us was to, to, to be a partaker of the divine nature. So when, when I went back to campus, another brother and I, um, we just felt so powerless and, and just stupid. We didn't know the word that well. Um, We didn't. We just felt terrible. But we started to pray. And we began to experience something, which was that when we would come to the Lord desperately, that he began to shine on things. And there's these points under E about being inwardly regulated and not being loose. Can we just let's all read point four there. We need to pray, Lord, I'm going to the campus Well, anyway, the Lord began to touch us. So I, there we were with a couple of brothers, just praying. And um, when you come to the Lord and you start to open for the gospel, He's faithful to shine in a very loving, tender way. And He began just to touch us in our living, bit by bit. Just He would just touch us, even just. The things that we would say to each other, we began to just clear that up. We still got mad at each other for not washing dishes and stuff, just normal life. But we just began to clear up the offenses, and then the Lord would touch other things. He would just touch possessions. Um, I remember. Oh, I remember. I mean, I've never thrown hippie beads out of the window. I don't even know what hippie beads are. But I, I remember the Lord just. In the time with him, just saying, you need to get rid of your games, your computer games, which by today's standards were just just awful. But, you know, they just occupy time. And so, Lord, all of them, all of them, even the flight simulator, you know, the Lord was like, it's not about the content as much as it is your time. It's your heart. Your time isn't for that. Like, ah. But then, and I took him outside to the courtyard and, and put him on the grill and which was probably not good because it left like a toxic residue you know when i burned them huh. and the other brothers were with me and you know and we were like okay it's on you know we lit that fire and the, the they burned and uh some people were like what are you doing what are you cooking there we we're like we're cooking the devil um But it's just like Ken said, and the brothers say, it's like, it's, it's kind of hard to obey the Lord in, in everything right away. But, you know, we just skipped back up to our room and just like, wow. You know, and so many other little, just little dealings. Just opening to the Lord and praying and just saying, Lord, I need you to x-ray my being. I need the x-ray. Um, just. So many things, possessions, you know, even my books, I had all these science fiction books. They weren't, you know, what is that? Is that, I don't know. Anyway, I was like, Lord, you really want that? I mean, I was like, my room is starting to look like I'm Amish, you know, everything's going away and I only have like a bed and a a desk and, and the Bible, (laughs) you know, wait a minute, you know, what does this mean? But we were just loving the Lord and very serious. And confessing and open, and um, something was developing there of our testimony. And it wasn't like we walked around going, you know, oh, I just got so dealt with today. Can you smell it? Can you smell it? I'm so... But it was like there was just a real... We were just happy, just unloaded and responding to the Lord. And and none of this happened at once. You know, if the Lord did all that at once, that would be really hard, you know? And an x-ray is very measured, you know? If they give you all the radiation at once, you just come out, your arm is like a piece of bacon. The Lord doesn't do that. His x-ray is just right. And he wants us on our campus for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of others, to open to him in a very fine way. That's what an x-ray is. You know, no one says, according to our x-ray, you're missing two fingers and a leg. You know, you don't need an x-ray to figure that out, right? The x-ray is like the doctor puts it up on that fluorescent thing and, and you're looking at it and it's like, I, I don't see anything. And the doctor says, well, you see right there, you probably broke your collarbone when you were three. You know, they just know. They can look at it and they know exactly. And when you open to the Lord, hmm and, and, and this should become just a kind of normal cycle that we're in on the campus for the sake of the gospel. Because there is an, I don't know if it's an American cultural thing or it's universal, but we would like to believe that what we do can be separated from who we are. You know, like, uh, I mean, I don't like to name people, but like Michael Jordan, you know, he's an amazing basketball player, but in real life he's kind of a jerk. You know, or like Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, right? He's a drunkard, an adulterer, and a glutton, but boy, he can swing a bat, you know. And we might think, well, you know, I just I'm showing up for the gospel. Let's go preach the gospel. Let's go preach the gospel. But what we're doing is the gospel we're preaching is the increase of a person. He must increase. So has he increased in you lately? Where's the increase in you? That is the living message. That is coming out on the gospel, and that is what it means to participate and partake of the divine nature. I don't like to act like, you know, this old bogey, (laughs) like it was so different for us. We used to write our gospel tracts by hand, you know, and all that. You know, (laughs) wasn't quite like that. On the back of a shovel, (laughs) with coal, by candlelight, in the rain, you know, wasn't like that, but it was different. And uh, the essential part of preaching the gospel is really to be a living witness. Are you a living witness? Well, you can't just fake it like, you know, like, oh, the gospel is a shining. So I'll just beam in English. The word beam just means to smile really big. You know, you can just, you know, but that's the, the inner witness that we're talking about is something from within, It's like your conscience has been cleared up. Your heart has been, there's an opening there. And this person who has his feeling and his choosing and his loving, that person is gaining the ground in you day by day, just a little bit at a time. And some days we say, no way, Lord, no way. That's okay. We come back the next day and the Lord is just gaining us uh, bit by bit. And I'm almost running out of time. Well, one area that really uh one area that we really I was touched by was <laughs> in this matter of like relationships and I was in a college training, and the brothers presented something of a vision and I gave myself to it and I don't know, maybe like some of you, I decided as a call as a relatively young person I want to go to the full time training I think I would like to do that I think I would that's probably my best shot, if not only shot, at being an age-turner. I, I, I really want to get there. And I, I opened to the Lord, and and um, the, one of the very first things the Lord touched was relationships. And just, this verse was operating, at least among us small group of brothers. No one serving as a soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he might please the one who enlisted him. And, you know, we, we just... And I'm not throwing this out as some kind of gold standard that people need to do. This is just our testimony. But we just felt like we, there should be a healthy, sober reserve between us and the sisters. That doesn't mean we were like jerks, you know, mean people, or like ran away from girls. <laughs> but there was just a line, you know. And just friendly, but there was a reserve there. Because, you know, you just get, it, you just get involved with people. And, and when opening to the Lord, I had some... We didn't have Snapchat or all this stuff. But we had, um, you know, we did have chat, believe it or not. And you could connect with people over the Internet back in that age. And I... Um, there were some sisters that I would get a hold of and we'd talk about the Lord, you know. Laughter. it's hot up here anyway but the lord was like don't do that anymore you know and i was like lord it's um we talk about the verses you know it's like there's something there but the lord was like you know there's mixture there you know there's mixture there there's something there and you know i just texted or couldn't text but i chatted in our weird low-tech way and said I don't feel like I sh- we should do this anymore. And the sister said, amen, me neither. And, you know, we just just withdrew. And, no, it's not ah, it's ah. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. I don't want to be mixed up. You know, it's like, I just want to run unencumbered. Don't you want to be unencumbered to run the race? I'm not saying sisters are encumbrances, but at that time... At that stage in life, surely that's an encumbrance, right? And I'm, I don't know who, if I'm talking to all of you or part of you, but surely at this stage in life, it could be a real encumbrance. And we just put it aside, you know. And if, and then, you know, five years later, a long time, I graduated from the full-time training. Game on. You know, I was ready. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to go <laughs> and i I was married I was married seven months later to miss Wonderful, you know Mrs. Wonderful now, and praise the Lord, just awesome. The Lord just took care of everything. I remember on our second date, you know we were chatting about plans and I said um that was really just too much. But I said, "I'm going to serve the Lord my whole life, or I want to. I want to serve the Lord my whole life." <laughs> you know, kind of like, "Can you hack that?" You know, I was like, "And so we may never have anything nice, and blah, 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 blah." And you know, and she looked at me and she goes, "You have no idea what I'm capable of, just in a really positive way." And I, I was like, "Wow," you know. And I, I leaned in and we exchanged our very first. High five of our relationship. But not the last. Anyway. So, so you, 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 you might be on campus and you might be, you might open to the Lord and you might be pray reading verses like, uh, no darkness at all or you know verses about verses about anything and the lord may really come to you and just he just wants to saints he doesn't want to take things away he wants to set us free he wants to set us free to follow him fully fully and absolutely and if we respond to him uh, that really affects our gospel and um oh so um thank you lord for your mercy Anyway, this group of brothers, we were praying this way and dealing with the Lord this way. Um, by the Lord's mercy, we were fruitful. You know, we, would, we lived in the dorms. There was no brother's house. And everyone who moved in with us, they got saved. We kind of felt sorry for them. They had no idea what they were getting into. And we would, first we all lived together. Then we had a strategy where we would live, we would kind of live close, but just open up to random roommates, you know, because we kind of divide and conquer. And we would, people would move in with us and we prayed for them and and we just we didn't have any it was just we were just enjoying the lord so much as as very kind of immature but christ-loving uh divine nature partaking college students okay let's read roman numeral two i'm I'm almost out of time we need to have a universal love for our gospel preaching okay when the young people let's read it together when the young people go to the campuses to preach the gospel they need not only a proper daily living, but also universal love. Amen. A universal love is a love for everyone except Satan. Okay, let's read B. Uh, Brothers with a strong spirit. Firstly, okay, sisters read C. Skip to C. It's on the back. Secondly, amen. And altogether, D. In addition to brotherly love, we also need love. When we enjoy the Lord in this way, because He's a person, He has a lot of feeling towards other people that we may not have. We're raised up to view people as whatever, but it's prob- you're probably not filled with universal love for all men. But the Lord is. And so when we when we let him live in us, Lord, live in me, Lord, my love, Lord, my heart, Lord. Well, it starts with love for the Lord. So we need to love the Lord with all our heart and get into a good habit of saying, Lord, Jesus, I love you. Let's try it now. Lord, Jesus, I love you. And we need to love the brothers. The Lord, one of the things the Lord touched us about back then was unequal love. You know, certain people you like, certain you like less. And the Lord would touch that and 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 work on that. We need to have a universal love for all the brothers. This love for the brothers um, gets people saved. You know, it's a testimony. And we had many experiences of this. Just, um, we don't really notice it, but... When you love the saints, there's a testimony there. There's a real shining. And in the world, in the outline, it says, the love in the world is deceiving. There's, not, there's really nothing there. It's like, I love you until you, you dent my pickup truck, and then now it's, now it's over. It's like, that love is so, there's nothing there. But when the, I was in a home meeting uh, pretty recently, and we're there, and we're just having a home meeting. And this new person starts crying. Nobody knows why. And then she says, Oh, you, you just love each other so much. You love each other so much. <laughs> and I said, We do? We, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> you know, we do love each other. But to us, it's not that we're not like hugging or, you know, there's no ostentatious display of our love, but there's an atmosphere there that just touched her so deeply. And and we, saints, love the brothers. Amen. One time, we got on this group of brothers that I was companions with um, back in school. I got on the bus. And they, anyway, they were making fun of me. But in a brotherly love way. And uh, because of the way I dressed. I had real problems, I guess. And... <sighs> And uh, I was wearing uh flip flops with socks, which you're not supposed to do and, and the socks were black, and then i had I think I had sweatpants on or something and it was, a, it was an engineering school and uh but we were on this bus together, and the, you know the brothers were like, "Ah, oh, someone dressed in the dark again, you know and they were just laughing at me and and uh you know, and I was just like, "No, you guys are behind, man. this is going to be what people are wearing the next month and I was like, My sister went to that school and whenever she'd run into me, very often she would say one word. She'd say, why? (laughs) (laughs) But even I remember on that bus, you know, the brothers were talking and laughing and just we weren't pray reading or anything. But I looked up and you could see all these other people on the bus and they just were so hungry. You know, they just looked at that like, oh, I just wish I had, you know, I just. You know, there's a longing in people to be part of a group that just loves one another. That is so comfortable, not natural necessarily, but just comfortable, loving one another, open, happy. And, uh, and we have that. We had a thing at my house in Athens a few years back. We called it pre-thank because it was right before Thanksgiving. And I, we cooked an entire pig, a hundred pound pig, and invited people. So, a hundred people showed up from my neighborhood. It was like, I just want to meet people in the neighborhood. So, we prayed beforehand, and people were eating, the pre-thank feast, and and then the brothers from the brother's house came, and I, as I knew they would, and they began to sing on the back porch. And they sang, and they sang, and there was just such a testimony from the brothers. And there was one of my neighbors, was a he was in a band in Athens, played the guitar, and I remember he came over to me, and he's like, I don't know what this is, but I want in. I want in. And I was like, wow. You know, and he began to meet with us, too. Isn't that wonderful? You know, people don't always get attracted right away by the high peak. Let me just ask you, some of you are newly saved. Was it the truth or did you just see something in the saints? Raise your hand. Just something. I don't know what that is. If that's wrong, I don't want to be right. I don't know what that is. And then as you come into contact with the saints, you learn, oh, it's Christ. It's Jesus. It's the divine nature. They were witnessing, even unconsciously, concerning the divine nature. Well, I'm out of time, and I want to leave more time for y'all's sharing. And you can share on this or on something else that touched you. How about we pray? Well, let's, let's read the focus altogether go for the preaching of the gospel encourage you to get into the reading for this section there's no group time today so you might not pay attention to it but please please get into it how about you pray two by two for a minute or two